Welcome to the Leader Manager Coach Podcast, your weekly podcast where we take a deep dive examining knowledge, philosophies, wisdom and insights to help you to lead, manage and coach in football, sports and life. Leader Manager Coach is presented by Rob Riles. Rob is a qualified coach with a League Managers Association qualification and a science and medicine background. He has worked in the football industry in Europe, USA and Africa at international, premiership, league, non-league and grassroots levels with World Cup and European Championship experience. Hello and welcome to another edition of Leader Manager Coach. It's Rob Riles here welcoming you to another programme. Now in this programme I wanted to discuss the topic of team talks, motivation and inspiration. The thing that stimulated me to talk about this and to bring this to this topic was a report that I read regarding rugby union. I have spent some time watching some of the autumn internationals, the uh, rugby union internationals, which I absolutely love. The full sporting stadiums, the atmosphere, the hacker, the, the passion, the excitement and the absolute phenomenal commitment of watching a rugby union test match is something that, although I'm not a you know, a die-hard die rugby union fan. I, I don't think there's anybody who can't appreciate the wonderful spectacle that rugby union is, particularly at that level. And the report was around the All Blacks coach, Steve Hansen. And it said that Steve had not conducted a single pre-match team talk in his seven years in charge at the All Blacks. I believe that Steve has been in charge of the All Blacks since 2011. And it appears that in the seven years, he hasn't ever done one pre-match team talk. His basic philosophy is that he leaves it to his playing staff to make the decisions for themselves. His belief is, and the players' belief is, and the backroom staff's belief is that the players just basically don't need to be motivated. They're absolutely and totally self-motivated. And I quote, them being a, the quote is, a different race of people. They are able to fully make their own decisions. When you read that, it makes complete sense. I mean, why, why in essence would a group of people who are at the pinnacle of their career, who've worked tirelessly day in, day out for many, many years and made sacrifices beyond most people's decisions to make sacrifices in life to achieve something, why would they need motivating anyway to go out and achieve something? And maybe it is a you know a misconception that athletes and people at the pinnacle and people who are in the arena of excellence in their sport need motivating. And this article went on to say that yes, occasionally at half time Hansen or one of his backroom staff would show a very short video clip and give them maybe a quick accompanying message to highlight an area which was obvious to them from the sidelines or from the stands that possibly they weren't aware of but it was just a little tweak and a push in the right direction but essentially even at half time they would leave the players to come in have a drink discuss the matter or discuss the matters or the situation or the issues and then allow them to go out and make the decisions the decisions were totally made by the players themselves and Hansen's philosophy was that it was up to them to create the right environment so that the players were in the peak state 
physically and mentally, i.e. to make the right decisions and to be in the right frame of mind to make the decisions that would be most successful. And this has started me thinking an awful lot about team talks and motivation and inspiration. You know, you do hear it from time to time that a manager's job in football is to motivate his team. That article turns it completely on its head and says that if, you, if you've if you got people who are certainly paid for what they do and are at the pinnacle of their profession, if they require motivating to go out and perform in front of paying spectators in a career that they've probably worked towards and desired to be at for many, many years, something is fundamentally wrong because if somebody requires any external motivation then is that person doing the profession that's correct for them and i'm not sure that's true so maybe the the actual motivation a manager being motivated or a head coach being a motivator is actually certainly um, a misconception is not required and throws kind of a little bit of a spanner into the works of well, what is it that you know a head coach or a manager or a leader is responsible for I mean, if we look back at motivators, great leaders, great motivators, and somebody throws in, you know, tell me about some great motivators, some great leaders, whether that's in sport or in politics or in life, you will probably have a vision or probably have a memory of somebody who is a significant orator, somebody who's got great speaking skills, somebody who can inspire, somebody who can paint pictures and get people into the right frame of mind. And what I'm not saying is that that's, that's an incorrect thing to do. What this article questioned in me was, well, is it absolutely necessary? And actually, is it detrimental long-term? Because what the All Blacks are saying as an example, and I'm sure the All Blacks aren't the only sporting team or, or the only culture to utilize this philosophy, but it's about creating the right environment so that you grow the individuals in a particular culture, so that you develop the players, the individuals, and hence the team to make their own decisions so that they are capable whereas if you constantly and regularly give people direction they often turn up wanting to be told what to do then the requirement is for the third party to absolutely get it right whereas if you train and coach people to make their own decisions and make them right the chances are that you will create greater leaders, people with more responsibility and ability, and create a situation whereby the best people to make the decisions who are capable of making those decisions in those split seconds or those moments are able to make them, rather than wait, come back in, half time, time out, whatever it is, give the instruction, or even worse, wait for the end of the game, wait until the next game, let's have another go at giving the instruction. Whereas if you create the leaders, create the thinkers, create the people who are strategists and understand and are not just robots, then you will be in a much stronger situation for a longevity of success, which I think really is what the All Blacks are talking about or the article about the All Blacks is, is talking about. And it's something that I really, really warm to. I can remember an interview with one of the Neville brothers who played for, for United, for Manchester United, who said that one of the amazing things about Sir Alex Ferguson was his ability to almost do specific team talks for specific games, which gave specific instructions and wasn't just a general off the peg right lads let's get up and at them it was very specific and the Neville said I think I don't I think it was Gary actually 
said that Sir Alex always seemed to have the ability to say the right thing at the right time, at the right game and to the right person. And I'm sure he's not saying that that was 100% of the time, but he's obviously got a point. I mean, it was Sir Alex who became famous for the hairdryer where he would absolutely lose his temper, allegedly, and get right into the face of, of individuals and scream at, and shout at them, um, hence them calling it the, the Fergie hairdryer. Now, whether you believe that's successful or not, obviously that's, that's up to you. I certainly don't think it's successful. I don't think it's the way to go. And I'm sure Sir Alex, probably looking back, would think now that maybe there were better ways, but obviously we all do our best at the time. And, you know, him being the most winning winningest manager of all time and the Premier League trophies is when who, who am I to, to judge whether uh, Sir Alex was successful uh, you know let's just get it into perspective this man was an absolute genius and was totally successful in, in, in what he did as a football coach myself and as somebody who's 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 been educated in in the game by the, the relevant governing bodies and, and still attends courses today and tries to tries to improve and always get better and better one of the things that's I was always taught was to, especially at half time, was to pick three points a maximum or a maximum of three points or three things that you wanted to facilitate or you wanted to change or you wanted to improve upon and just give really succinct information to specific people or units about those three things that you wanted to change. Um, you know, it, it's not successful and it doesn't work by going in and just giving a running commentary on what's happened and how bad it was. The players know whether it was bad or they know whether it was good. Otherwise, I don't think they actually should be in the dressing room anyway. There's a massive difference between the world of results in the professional game and the world of development in the youth and academy game, where actually what we're looking out for in the in the development phase and in the the early phase of, of even the professional part of growing into a, into a mature footballer is we're looking at helping players to improve personally and they have the space and the time to do that particularly in the younger ages where there's you know there's no pressure to, to perform and get results there's a pressure to to work hard and, and to improve there's an environment creation in the academy development in youth phases whereby we give players that leeway to make lots of mistakes and learn and learn and learn so when they come off at half time it's right this is what you did well this is how it looks from here do you think you can do this do you think you can do the other do you think you can you can work on that as pointers and we look at it over a over a period of time over months weeks certainly months and give players a chance to improve it's not about having the finished article a player who's cost a few million pounds or a few hundred thousand pounds and has got uh, you know hasn't got any time to to get it right they've just got to get out there on, on the pitch and, and prove themselves and, and contribute towards some results so the philosophy is obviously completely different and the way that you'd approach it is completely different you'd certainly be asking questions and getting players to think about how they want to play and what they should be focusing on in the younger ages. Whereas in the in the results phase, it's all about playing this way and sticking to a task and applying yourself there and then to get the best results. One of the stories that I was told about the Everton team, I think it was 1985 when they won the first division title. They had, you know, your Peter Reid, your Kevin Ratcliffe's, your Neville Southall's and your Adrian Heath's and um, players like that who were all leaders. People who had strong opinions, 
you know, Peter Reid and, and people like that. And um, I believe that in the dressing room at half-time, if the game wasn't going as well as it should have been, it certainly didn't need Howard Kendall to step in and tell anybody because the offending people, as, as was seen by the leaders in the dressing room, would probably be up, up with their backs up against the wall possibly with um, somebody holding onto their shirt in a, in a rather assertive manner, telling them what needed to be done and in what manner. So leadership was already on the pitch in examples like that. I've uh, also heard of Arsene Wenger. Obviously, the, the uh, Arsene uh, was with Arsenal for many, many years, and he often said very little, particularly after the game. He didn't think it was appropriate, and... Uh, he, he wasn't one apparently for rousing team talks. He was uh, a work a work through the week kind of man and let things take care of themselves. Um, I've got no you know I haven't got any any evidence for that, but that's what people in the game um, used to say. And there's lots of different stories about and I think that about team talks and who did great team talks and what happened in this dressing room and what happened in that dressing room. There's um, the story about the manager who went up to his dressing room and uh, opened the door I don't know whether this was pre-game or half-time and the dressing room was totally quiet and you could have heard a pin drop and he opened the door poked his head in and said oh I must be in the wrong dressing room shut the door and went out now how the players took that I don't know I'm not sure how the result went after that but that was one way that was his way of getting a message over I I'm not sure that this dressing room is uh as lively or as buoyant as it should be. Now, whether you believe in that or not, you know, I, I, I know of a West Ham player who played in the 1970s, part of a very successful West Ham team, a very, very gifted midfield player who didn't even used to go out and do warm-ups but would lie on the bench on his back and have 20 minutes meditation and get up and go straight out when the bell rang. And uh, how much did uh, did he need motivating? I don't know. And did he need somebody jumping up and down and, and shouting and screaming and having loud music on? Obviously not. Uh, I also have another story which, which kind of um, may stick a pin in the balloon of motivation. A specific manager in the football league that I work for told me that he did a rousing... 15 minute oration to raise his players and get them motivated and get them up and out there and um, a certain Vinnie Jones was in the opposition team and as the studs clicked and clacked along the corridor Mr Jones then came up to the dressing room door just as the manager finished his 15 minute oration to get them roused banged on the door as loudly as possible stuck his head in and said something along the lines of come on we are waiting for you and the aforesaid uh, manager looked round and saw the colour drain from his players faces and uh, apparently they went out and lost 3-0 so maybe that just explains about the vagaries and the frailties of puffing people up to motivate them However, I do remember and recall certainly watching a British Lions video. I'm not sure whether this was pre-game or it was a Friday night in a hotel. I think it was probably more in the training environment rather than the pre-game environment with a, a phenomenally rousing video where players were speaking and you were left in no uncertain terms that that room was full of drive, ambition, leadership and testosterone and it certainly filled you with an absolute pride and you felt that it was a wonderful spectacle to, to have an insight into.
there's also the 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 managers who who just have a presence about them and i think you know if we we look at at, at shanks he was full of his little stories and full of his quips and his confidence and self-belief and would orate and tell stories about how bad the opposition were and how ill they looked and how they feared Anfield and how great his Liverpool side were. So without shouting and screaming and bellowing and building them up, he would just, with his presence and his in his oration, just get them to totally believe that this was their day. And again, I believe that the great Brian Clough did it just with his presence. He didn't really shout and scream, but he went into the dressing room and he gave specific instructions. He, he apparently really did give very, very specific instructions about what players should do. And if they didn't do it, I believe in no uncertain terms, they knew about it. And that worked, obviously, for the double European Cup winning manager. So, you know, who am I to say that not that creating leaders who make their own decisions is the right way? All I'm doing here is throwing out some ideas just to so that you can perhaps make your own mind about which is which is best for you, which which works and possibly which doesn't. I think that essentially it's very much down to the down to the individual. We're all our own people and you cannot try and be somebody else or be like somebody else and carry it off successfully. I think we can all look at great great people in our spheres whether that's business or politics or sport and we can think you know what that's really good I really like that I can use that in my armory or that doesn't suit me it's not my personality I don't like it I don't believe it works but we can take the things that we like and the things that we don't and we can use them going back to team talks I have no answer I don't know from you know doing a little bit of research and from my own experience what's right and what's wrong I think that communication is key I also believe strongly that in the maxim that what you are speaks so loudly, I can't hear what you say. In the fact that if somebody says something and you know that either the person who is saying it doesn't believe it or that that's not how they act themselves or what they're speaking does not fit in with their character, I don't think it has the relevant force behind it. So I think the presence factor of the individual who is saying the words is highly important and even more important than the words themselves. But yes, do I think that people should be in a situation where they're inspired from inside? Absolutely. There is a thing called intrinsic motivation and extrinsic motivation, which psychology will tell you that extrinsic motivation is short-lived and more easily overcome. Whereas intrinsic motivation, you know, that's why the tragedy of a lost child through an illness will motivate a parent to spend the rest of their life raising money for a particular charity because they are intrinsically motivated. Whereas if somebody says, you know, I'll pay you a figure of X thousand pounds a year if you will promote this cause or that cause, then the person may well do it, but it's highly likely that it will not be as long lasting or certainly as um, done with as much vigor as if it is something that is totally intrinsically motivated. If you're not intrinsically motivated to do what it is you're doing, the chances of you succeeding or being in it for a long time are are drastically reduced. So I actually think that motivation is to be used sparsely and with good cause in certain situations. But actually what we're looking to do is we're looking to find and we're looking to hone and we're looking to create the right culture and the right environment for people who are inspired and want to be inspired and can inspire themselves 
through working in the right environment, doing the right thing. So that's my thing on team talks and uh, communicating with teams. I don't know what you think, what your favorite philosophy is, the way that you look at it, the way that you do it, whether that's in a, a youth development academy system or you're in business or in politics or you are in, a, in the professional game. I'd love to hear it. Love to know what your thoughts are. It's www.robriles.co.uk or you can catch me on LinkedIn and uh, let me know. All right, listen, great to have you. Speak to you again. Bye-bye.